The Real Investment Show. You know, you have to love headline. Headline on CBC, vaccination rate slows as the economy struggles to reach herd immunity. This is a funny headline because, yeah, you have about 60, 50%-ish of the population, maybe 60% now, you know, kind of pushing up on that number, this, that have been vaccinated, right? Um, you've got roughly 75% of the population that is either, you know, has gotten vaccinated or is going to get vaccinated, then you have about 25% that just say, I'm not getting vaccinated, right? And you're not going to change their minds, period, right? So two points about headlines. One, vaccination rate slows. Well, of course it slows. Um, Once you get to the 50% mark, your growth rate in the vaccination rate is going to slow. It's just a function of math. Uh, The second thing is, is that there are a, a, a... number of people that are just not going to get vaccinated, right? It's just, that's just part of the deal. Uh, it's, it's, it's in anything, right? There's people that don't get the flu vaccine every year. So I'm one of them. So I don't get the flu vaccine. Um, but that's just, you know, that's just the way economics work, right? So yes, the vaccination rate is going to slow. The question is, is how many do you need to get to herd immunity, right? Is it 60%? Is it 70%? Is it 80%? Is it 100%? Um, you know, herd immunity is basically to the point to where you've got enough people that are either immune to it, have had the virus and, and are, are now immune to it, or, you know, that you've got enough people vaccinated that it's no longer an issue. Right. So what nobody's specifying yet is exactly what is that herd immunity rate? Because nobody knows. Right. So this is kind of interesting. But look, um, always pay attention to headlines because <laughs> you got to pay attention to the math. Um Sounds good, though. Makes makes good stories. Um, this morning, a couple of things we're getting into, of course, is a little bit about this, about the market and where we are right now. And, and if you take a look, as we were talking about a second ago, there's a lot of warning signs right now that suggest that, you know, we are probably going to have, you know, a little bit rougher time in the market's here in the near future, right? And it's just it's just a function of, of how things work. And we've had a very, very sharp advance from the March 2020 lows. There's numerous indicators that are starting to kind of pile up to suggest that the recovery and earnings expectations and earnings growth and profit margins and economic growth and all this is now starting to reach towards a peak, right? We're kind of getting to that it's as good as it gets kind of point within a cycle. Now, again, I'll be very clear here. It doesn't mean the market's going to crash, but certainly suggests that we could see a little bit more volatility pick up in the markets here over the course of the next couple of months this summer. Would not be surprising at all. Um, You know, one thing that we've talked about here recently is this issue that we haven't had a 5% correction in the markets for quite some time. Uh, in fact, we haven't had a 5% correction in the market since last summer, which is actually one of the longer stretches in history without having a 5% correction, right? Now, 5% correction at this point sounds like, oh my gosh, market's about to crash, right? Around 5%, 5% sell-offs are normal in any given market year. They're, they're, it's just part of the cycle up and down, right? It's, it's, as you move higher in prices, 
prices are going to move up. They're going to move down. They're going to move up again. And 5% correction, completely well within norms. Now, it's going to feel a lot worse. When you actually have a 5% correction, it's going to feel a lot worse than it actually is because it's just been so long and we're so complacent about corrections that, you know, we just... You, you we're not ready for it when it comes. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm losing all my money. No, it's just having a 5% correction. Don't worry about it. But it's just part of the cycle. The other thing to kind of pay attention to also is the volatility index. And, you know, this is a issue that we continue to, to talk about. Volatility remains extremely suppressed at this point and is something that, is a, a hallmark of complacency in markets. And if you go back in history, volatility has this really nasty habit of showing up very quickly. And it just kind of appears out of nowhere, and then you have a fairly sharp sell-off. And if you take a look at kind of the 15-day moving average, and, and if you're watching our live stream right now, you can see that. Um, there are points of where this volatility gets extremely compressed and then it explodes. Kind of think about a rubber band, right? You kind of just, you stretch the rubber band as far as you can and then when you let it go, it just snaps right back. That's the way it kind of works with volatility index. We compress it, we compress it. It's like a spring, right? Like coiling a spring. We just keep compressing it until all of a sudden it just explodes in the other direction. And that typically aligns itself with these, you know, sharper downturns in the markets. And again, you know, they can be 5%. They could be 10%. Um, we saw a 20% correction in, you know, uh, October, November, December of 2018. Um, of course, you had the March 2020 uh, decline. So, I mean, they can be bigger, right? Uh, 5% is kind of that norm, 5 to 10%, somewhere around there. Uh, that's pretty much the norm in any given year, but they could be bigger. And that's kind of an interesting point that, you know, as we talk about, you know, the, about technical analysis, this is a, you know, a, 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 an issue to understand is that, you know, with technical analysis, we don't know how big the correction will be. We just know that we'll likely have the environment to have a correction, but you, it, technical analysis never tells you how big it will be. Oh, technicals are saying it's going to be a 5% correction. No, that's not what it is. Technical analysis only tells you that the that the environment is ripe for a correction. That's all it tells you. Doesn't tell you how big it's going to be, and you won't find that out until you're in the midst of it as as you start to go down. Um, Morgan Stanley recently put out their market timing indicator as well, which is now at an all time high, and that's suggesting that. And, and typically, when you have these very very high levels, uh, according to their index, which is their market timing indicator, um, that's coincided with bigger peaks in markets. Again, I'm not saying that that's the case here, but you know, again, when you talk about prices and technicals and these type of things, everything is very, very stretched to the upside. And we've had very, very strong advances in the markets. And in fact, we've got a whole, you know, you can really look across a whole plethora of, of indicators ranging from margin debt, which is now at a record high. Um, take a look at growth versus value. That's reversed back to, you know, a, a record. Uh, Fed assets, of course, you know, the, the whole premise of liquidity behind the markets, the stock bond correlation. I mean, just you go down the list 
uh, whether it's you know negative real earnings yields, uh, record high stock bond correlations, you know record low dividend yields. I mean, just you pick the you pick the issue, right? It's all suggesting that the markets are very extended, very stretched, very overbought. Just no matter how you, how you want to dice it, right? And we can continue to ignore it, and this is what we've chosen to do as. Uh, a, a society right now. It's like we don't, we're just ignoring these things because of this whole idea that simply, well, the economy's roaring back and the Fed's got our back with all this liquidity. But again, the markets are telling you that they are, they are, they are very ripe with risk. And again, it doesn't mean that you have a correction today or tomorrow. Um, when, when it happens, it'll happen very quickly. And that's the key point, right? That these corrections will happen very quickly and they'll happen simply because of something totally unexpected. Some exogenous event. Uh, you know, is it, you know, a, a strong inflation reading this week from CPI? Probably not. Because everybody knows we're going to have one, right? The market's already kind of priced that in. What they're not pricing in is potentially the Fed coming out next week and saying, you know what, um, we're about to get ready to head to Jackson Hole, and we're really thinking about tapering. You know, we were we weren't even thinking about thinking about tapering two weeks ago. Today, we're actually thinking about it, and we're going to start laying that timeline out. That's something the market's not. I'm not saying they're going to do that, by the way, but I'm just saying it. That's the type of thing that'll upset the markets because the markets aren't counting on that. They're not even thinking. The markets aren't even thinking about the, ta- the thinking about the Fed thinking about tapering. Right? It's that old game. But that's where we are. And again, you know, no matter how you want to look at the various measures, they are all stretched really to an extreme level at this point. That again creates that environment. To have a correction in prices, yeah, and that's healthy. By the way, you know we, you know, whenever you talk about a correction in markets, uh, everybody's like, "Oh, he's being bearish," right? Uh, no, it's just corrections are healthy, right? You you need that correction a to provide you a, a better entry opportunity to buy some assets that you would like to own. But two, it works off those ex- excesses and allows the market to reset itself a bit so you can make the next run at all-time highs, right? So corrections are a healthy thing. They're opportunistic. But they're only opportunistic if you were prepared for it before it happened. You know, this is the one fallacy of buy and hold investing. I'm going to buy an index. I'm just going to hold on to it. That's great. Market goes up, you make money. Market goes down, you lose money. But the problem is that since you didn't sell anything when the market was up, you don't have any more money to buy anything when the market's low. So, yeah, you can just kind of ride the markets up and down over time. And, yes, over enough time, you will you win the investing game, right? But you're not taking advantage of the opportunities the market gives you. I want to talk a little bit about Inflation, too, because that's, that is the big topic. This week, we're going to be looking at some CPI numbers, and they're going to be big this week because of just year-over-year comparisons. We're still dealing with that base effect of PPI uh, and PPI and CPI, looking at this time last year when you had the, econ- the economy shut down. Um, inflation was, well, deflation at that point. When we come back, I want to talk about specifically what inflation's potentially telling us about 
where asset prices are and what it might mean in terms of this idea of a correction in prices. Don't go away. Be right back. Show. You could be one of the 7 in 10 people requiring long-term care in your lifetime. Are you prepared for nursing home care costs averaging more than $7,600 a month? Our next virtual lunch and learn will cover the management of long-term care expenses that could make or break your retirement. Join Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for the basics of long-term care. Long-term care. Register at realinvestmentadvice.com for our virtual lunch and learn on long-term care. June 24th at noon. Real Investment. Investmentadvice.com. 